G'day and welcome back to Range Anxiety, your podcast or epicast of 30 years of automotive tuning experience in 30 minutes. And I sound a little bit exhausted today, don't I? I don't even know what day it is. I think it's Tuesday, January 5, and I'm back at work. Yes, solo too. And I'm exhausted. That phone has not stopped. People are stir crazy when it comes to cars at the moment. Where do I work? For those of you that don't know, I'm a partner in a business called Powertech Tuning in South Australia. And we do specialist ECU tuning that overflows into some lighter style mechanical work like, you know, fitting camshafts and superchargers and we don't do engine rebuilds. That's just a whole nother kettle of fish, like box of spiders that I really don't want to get into right now. Yeah, that's a nasty, nasty business and best off left for specialists. But what's happened during COVID? You know, I'm talking or playing then Flash by Queen. You know, Flash Gordon, he'll save every one of us, saviour of the universe, but I don't think he's going to save me. In fact, he probably doesn't like me at all. Um, what's been happening? What's happened over COVID is that with the lockdowns and various shutdowns, and no matter where you're listening in the world, I think if you're in this industry, you'll see that, you know, there's an old saying that idle hands are the devil's playground, and there's been lots of people using their stimulus money over here in Australia, we call it job keeper and job seeker to, you know, get stuff done to their cars. And, and that's pretty good. Um, I've loved every minute of that. And, you know, we've done some good work and people have done some good stuff to their cars and you know, things I'll enjoy much more than ongoing employment, I suppose, <laughs> but that's their choice. Um, but with the, you know, idle hands have created the devil's playground. There's a lot of people that have decided to do everything themselves. Some of them can and some of them can't. Unfortunately, I'm seeing a lot of the ones that can't at the moment. Um, how do I put it? I've been inundated already this week with people that want a dyno tune or a dyno run on their car and I'm sitting there answering the phone like a good boy and you know good afternoon Martin speaking how can I help you and it's yeah I've got this uh, BMW it's got XYZ done to a stage three you know, you know straight away that's going to get me offside because I hate stage talk you know there's no such thing as a stage what it is is it's a bunch of parts that you tune don't call it a stage to make it easily digestible but no, what these people have done, they've been bolting together stuff off the shelf, putting it on their cars, getting some sort of generic tune off the shelf, and then wanting to have it validated on a dyno somewhere. Now, I've got no problems, and neither of my staff, with, with dynoing your car. we we got a dyno, that's what we use it for. But when you put something together yourself, of bits and parts unknown, with tune unknowing, and then you're asking for validation, well... Sure, I'll tell you whether it's good or bad. I mean, you know, you don't have to ask me <laughs> to get an opinion. Those of you that know me will know that it's a very, very forthcoming. Sometimes you don't even have to ask for it. It just comes blurting out. But the problem is in Australia, and I'm not sure how it works overseas, I'm not sure how the US law works, is that if you bring your bucket of bolts put together home-built car to me with a 
tune of whereabouts unknown in it. I put it on the dyno and I say, yeah, and they say, what do you think of that? Is that likely to blow up? And you say, oh, you know, probably not. They then drive it 10Ks, 100Ks or a week or a month down the road and it blows up. I am then legally liable. That is correct. It's called professional indemnity. You can insure against it and indeed we do insure against it. But the moment you open your mouth as a professional, as a uh, inverted quotes expert on the situation, you then become legally responsible for that actual build. Yep, that's how much the world sucks these days and why how things have got that litigious that it's it actually sometimes these jobs aren't worth doing. So that's exactly what we are doing is not doing them. So if you do happen to get in contact with me and want to dyno for, for validation to just see how it's going, to just check the mixtures, your vehicle in 2021, we are unfortunately going to have to say no because I'm not opening myself up to someone else's stupidity. And look, I'm sure there are some really, really good cars being built out there by people and they're doing a really, really good job. But hey, find someone else that'll dyno up for you. But I think as this insurance pandemic gets even worse around the country and around the world, you'll find less and less people that are willing to put their livelihoods on the line to give an expert opinion on what you've just done. Okay, we've got that out of the way. For those of you that think I'm wrong, go check with a solicitor. You can get yourself into an awful lot of trouble giving an off-the-cuff opinion. I was first made aware of this about 15 years ago when a guy I know that offered a, uh, sorry, owned a tyre shop was in there. Um, he had a car come in before the holiday season and he just gave the tyres a rotate and a balance and the customer said to him, look, I'm driving, you know, 500 miles, 750 k's, 800 k's on these tyres tomorrow. Do you think they'll be all right? And he looked at them. The tread depth was all right. Sure enough, one of them blew a sidewall on the trip. Car was involved in luckily a minor accident and he ended up in court over it because his professional opinion he said would be all right. I mean, he didn't know. He couldn't see inside the tyre to see that it had a fractured sidewall. How stupid is that? So guys and girls, if you're in this game, best off say nothing to anyone unless you're doing all of the work yourself and supplying the parts. And for those of you that are on the other end of this stick that just want an opinion, understand why people can't give you one and don't get upset and frustrated with them. Yeah, it's a sad, sad world we live in. So, what else has been happening in 2021 so far? Apart from dealing with a lot of phone calls and doing a little bit of tuning work. I've been doing a bit of tuning work. I keep my hands in uh, on the dyno, doing some diesel, doing some petrol, while all of my staff are off out on their yachts and boats and, you know, gallivanting around the countryside. I'm here actually getting my hands dirty. Normally, I only get my hands dirty when I fall over in the workshop. But even then, the floors are that clean. They don't even get dirty, but that's a standing joke about me. I don't do an awful lot. In fact, I tell people I don't know what a spanner is. And the more you tell them that, the better off you are too. I've had a lot of people ring up uh, wanting to talk to me because they've got spare time. Because they're on holidays and, and I'm not. And they want to know about tuning their diesel, say. Well, we're going to get a bit of a bang noise here. Yes. They want to know about tuning their diesel and the first thing they asked to me uh, sorry ask me is are you going to do a remap or a chip 
And I say, well, you know, it's much really the same, but not the same. And they're saying, well, a remap sounds good, but I'd much rather the chip. Now, let me clarify this for you. Um, chip tuning, once upon a time, and I've covered this in the past, was a skill and a sport that required you to take the memory chip in and out of the ECU back in the days when they were removable. Try 20 plus years ago, or more like 30 years ago, you'd rewrite the chip and you'd put it back in and these people could buy a chip, which was a EEPROM, electrically prog uh, programmable read-only memory, or razable programmable read-only memory. That's how long ago it is since I've played with this shit. Um, and they could buy this new program for their ECU and they could plug it in. That was a chip and that was a proper hot chip. And again, we've covered this in some detail. What isn't the case these days is that a chip is something else. A chip is a signal bender that interfaces onto the front of the ECU and the majority of them are absolute junk. The majority of them cause more trouble than they are worth. There is one particular chip or brand of chip that I do like though. Yeah, I do like one of them. And signal benders, as a rule, are junk because they modify one or two things. They'll just, you know, trick a boost sensor or trick a throttle position sensor. Like those throttle trickers you can buy. They're just a, they're just a very simple form of interceptor and they just all don't do enough there is one brand I don't mind though, and, and I, mean, I actually sell them when in the right environment and application, and that is the Unichip product that's, that's out of South Africa. Now, you know, my old adversary, from those of you that had listened to uh, earlier Epicast, my old adversary, Peter Luxon, Big Daddy as we used to call him, because he was basically the big daddy of the aftermarket industry in Australia. He did stuff bigger and better than anybody. He doesn't do it anymore, but if he kept on going today, there is still no doubt that he'd be doing it bigger and better than anybody. He had a good handle on manufacturing and casting and well, well, well he, he didn't like me very much. But that's, you know, also reasonably excusable. But Big Daddy was uh, the Unichip man in, you know, the, the early 2000s and he used to get some pretty darn good results out of them. And because the product's been around so long, it's evolved and evolved and evolved and evolved to the point where it can talk across a CAN bus. It can do some pretty trick things. And even though I'm, a, I'm an anti-chipper, you know, I do actually like the Unichip in application. You know, there are a lot of ECUs and there are going to be a lot of ECUs coming out for cars. Um in the future and there are a few out now that are unmappable or unhackable and you know it takes time it takes time from when a new release is out there to to go to work out the back doors in the software how to get in through background diagnostic mode how to unravel the tuner locks and in that time the unichip guys are working out what signals they need to bend and bending about 20 of them or plus not just one or two so they are the closest Thing to properly remapping the ECU that there is and in the instance where there isn't remapping available for the ECU they are 
the very best product. So there you go, you guys over at Unichip here in Melbourne that think, oh, Donnan's Captain Flash. Yes, I am, but the Unichip product is quite good. And yes, I endorse it in application. Absolutely, I've, I've, I've sold hundreds, literally, of them. I came up with a system for the A45, AMG, the Phase 1 and 1.5 and Phase 2 systems that, again, that was a, a plagiarism of Big Daddy's names from APS, but they were systems that used the Unichip. We rebadged it, but the hardware's good, the hardware's solid. The only weakness in some instances would have been the tiny little connectors on them, but I believe these days, I've looked at one for a little while, but these days they've got a letdown pad as well. So... Yeah, if you're going to use a chip, that's my advice. Again, I don't know everything on the market and I don't know everything. But if you're going to go that way, then yeah, absolutely, I recommend going down that path. So here you go, guys. I want my dealership fees waived for 2021. Mr. Trounson, please do so or else. Um, but the difference between a chip and a remap is, is like you are changing what the factory computer can do with the remap. So it's not a chip, it is the old version of a chip where all of the software, all the firmware in the ECU is changed. So normally we don't change everything in the ECU, we change little bits and pieces as required. For example, uh, take a Holden Colorado, that's something I do a lot of mapping of. You know, I've got access in the standard ECU to about, I don't know, probably four or five hundred tables. How many do I change? About 15 or 20 at worst. You see, this is where a lot of guys new to this game get really confused and make a lot of mistakes is that, you know, it's like going to a buffet. They've got this huge smorgasbord of data in front of them and they take a bit of that and a bit of this and a bit of that and a bit of that and a bit of that and a bit of that. And all of a sudden, they're left with a pile of shit that won't run properly change what you need to change and don't change any more or any less but still you do have better scope you do have better scope um by remapping the factory ecu a again there are some ecus where not a lot is known or not enough is known about the mapping and, and again this is where the unichip did take charge for a while there. A lot of people use them on Nissan Patrol Y62s because they can dynamically change the ignition timing um, much better than the remappers can because the remappers don't understand that when they're skewing the airflow meter signal or changing the fueling, they're also changing the, changing the cam angle request and the cam angle request is a big input into the requested spark and, and so on. So you've got like one or two or three things feeding the next. So getting the end result is very hard. Whereas the Unichip just looks at the crank trigger and can delay it or, you know, by a certain amount to give you more advance. So, yeah, there are some, there are some, I mean, I, I can do the timing properly on a patrol. Not everybody can. So, again, there are some ways that that product is really, really good and quite special. But that does not hold true for the majority of chips out there. Most of them are indeed junk. And from what I have seen, and I bought plenty of the cheap ones and I bought plenty of the dear ones, I bought one, for example, for a W204 C220 uh, CDI Mercedes-Benz. It was one of the big name brands that Mercedes uh, was sort of in bed with, or maybe not, but they make out they're in bed with Mercedes, starts with a B. And I reckon it was, oh, it's in 2010, it was like $3,000 for this plug-in chip with its own little horribly made loom. And all it did is overfuel to the thing, to the point where it looked like a, 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 a bloody 
coal station going down the road and it really made no more power and it eventually ended up screwing the injectors. So yeah, no good. Pre-programmed chips off the shelf are rarely any good. The good ones give you some software or give your tuner some software to control them. So next time you come to me and you say, look, you know, I want to tune my car, what's better, a chip or a remap? I'll just refer you to this Epicast because then you'll have a fair idea of what it is that I'm actually talking about. Okay, so that covers that off. What's next on the agenda for today? Oh, young guy I've got to deal with uh, probably in about two hours' time. He has a turbocharged Falcon. It's done 150,000 kilometres. It's well, how old would it be? It'd be 15 years old. Um, it was highly modified once, and when he bought it, it had been put back to standard. Uh, he didn't get any of the parts with it, and he wants to remodify it again, back to the you know, highly modified state at 100,000 miles on the clock of, obviously, abuse. And he wants, at a minimum, because he's read on the internet, he wants, at a minimum, around 700 horsepower at the wheels and maybe work up a bit from there. And he wants to come and talk to me about it. And again, my answer to him is going to be a very, very short one. It's going to be no. Oh, why is that? Engines are not black boxes. And again, we've covered this, but it needs to be said again because obviously no one's listening. Every time they reciprocate, they're wearing out and out and out until eventually they go bang. You know, I've done enough if you listen to the Epicast GDR oil, I've done enough oil analysis over the years to realise that with every oil change, there is metal getting shed into the oil. And that metal comes from somewhere, mainly normally the bearing surfaces in the engine. And guess what? The bearings only have a certain thickness. Add to that the fatigue of the metals in the, in, in the engine. Thankfully, you know, steel rods in cars these days, they don't fatigue as badly as they once did. And you'll get a lot of cycles out of them. You get a lot of cycles out of everything until there's some sort of big tuning accident that, that rattles the thing to bits and uh, the engine just flies apart out the sides. Um, but as things wear, every time you drive your car is one less drive it's going to have before it all ends in failure. Yep, I know, it sounds horrible. And cars, engines do sort of reach an equilibrium point where they just go for many, many years at a certain level. But that can be accelerated towards a death very, very quickly by upping the power level on them. So if you're worried about, you know, spending fifteen dollars to $20,000 on the engine, breaking the seal, if you listen to the last Epicast, don't modify it. That's a very best advice I can give you. And to a, a young 22-year-old guy that spent $50,000 on this car already and wants to spend like another 10 on it or 15 on it to double or triple its power, he's going to be spending another 50 before he knows that and he's going to be a 28-year-old without a house. I know, it sounds terrible, Martin being so conservative, doesn't it? Or does it? Or am I actually talking sense here? Car modification is for the guys that have the deep pockets and the big egos. They're the ones that normally do it the best before it ends in tears. And whatever you do, you always use the premise that whatever you reckon it's gonna cost you, double it, and that way you're gonna be about right. And, and it's gonna give you some sort of 
um, leeway for repairing the, the bloody thing in the future as well because all modified cars wear out all cars wear out and eventually they all blow up yep you heard it here and you heard it here first and it doesn't matter whether you got a chip or a remap maybe with a remap you've got a slightly better chance but there is no such thing as free power it comes at a price and that price is increased maintenance providing even in the first place you've got the job done correctly so what's brought me a bit of joy this week oh i know and i posted something about it on facebook just yesterday i finished the first version of my organ apparently that's how you pronounce it because i watched a, a special on brock last night and he pronounced it in the show organ organ energy polarizer and i fitted it to the model 3 standard range plus in fact it's sitting in the trunk right now while i'm sitting in the front and i just feel wonderful all of my molecules are aligned da 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 no no i don't expect it to do a thing it was just an arts and craft project that i gave my kids to do in the school holidays and guess what they did everything but that so eventually over the break i had to sit there with a couple of beers by myself and make my own polarizer and then you know after avoiding it for three weeks to come back to me and say oh where's it gone i thought i was gonna do that no you bloody didn't you didn't want to do it in the first place so don't make out that you want to do it now so i put it together i the organite uh, parts that I used already had pre-drilled holes in them, so I made what I considered to be a good aerial for the rear earth magnets, and I put it all together. For those that are interested, I, I tried to do the most brocky job of the whole thing that I could. In fact, when I saw them dig one apart on his show, uh, the mini-series that they did on him, so I think it was oh, 2016, I actually re-watched it again on Stan or Prime or something last night, and I saw that GMH dug one apart. And I don't reckon... His was anywhere near as elaborate as mine. But hey, you know, mine's a 21st century version. So I've got it mounted. I've got these tiny little magnets mounted directly above this massive AC permanent magnet motor. And I'm saying, I'm putting this here and I'm doing this, A, so people think I'm a weirdo and keep away from me, which would make me quite happy in most instances. And B, because I had to finish the kids' school holiday project, but they clearly were not ever intending to do it which kind of gave me the sheets so i've got it mounted and i said look what i've done and i've gotten a metallic rear window stickers anyway for my dtech ev business and so i put it all together and i took some photos and i put them on facebook and i said have a look at this i've got my Orgon energy polarizer and people are going oh man he's done it this guy's a fruit loop i'm just finishing the kids school holiday project that they didn't want to do all right I'm not expecting it. It's a parody. It's something we can talk about and can burn a few minutes in an epicast. But here's the weird thing. After people are saying, what do you reckon it's going to do? I mean, yeah, if I let my tyres down from 40 PSI standard Tesla down to 24 and take it to the track, it's going to be faster. Why? Because 40 is just too high a cold starting point for any car, just as the 30s were for the Commodores back in the days before Brocky polarised them. You do a few laps, they're back up to the 30s and boom. Whereas if you'd left them factory tyre pressure, they would have been in the 50s, get it? And you would have been sliding all over the place. I don't expect it to do anything. It's not going to do anything. It's just a laugh and we're having fun. And then the private messages started coming. Hey, uh, Martin, I know you reckon this is going to do anything, but can I have one? I said, well, no, I'm not going to make them because it's stupid. 
It's not going to work. My kids refuse to make them. I haven't got the time. And I don't want to discredit what little credibility I have left in this world by making the stupid things. Um, I know they won't do anything, but I thought it would be cool. Is five or six hundred bucks enough? Well, yes. <laughs> I can go and get the bits now and start making them for you. But I will not put my name on them. GM, who are a bit smarter than me with all of their resources, proved they didn't work many, many years ago. Even though there is better testing equipment now, you don't want one. Trust me, you don't need one. But if you must, you know my feedback, you know the page, you know the email address. It's dtech at senet.com.au. That's d-t-e-c-h at s-e-n-e-t.com.au. Come on down and give me your order and I'll supply you a polarizer, thank you once more for listening to Range Anxiety.